We are CEOs, executives, educators, and professionals from all sectors of society who support the global expansion of betterment in the world through joy and joyly. I'm your host, Cheryl Lynn, founder of the Chair of Joy Experience. Together, we have developed the World Council of Joy, and our council invites CEOs and innovators from impactful organizations to the Joyly podcast. We showcase how generous, bold, and fully engaged they are in their work and what a culture of joy is to them. Good morning, everyone. I am Cheryl Lynn, and we are again here in Joyly Studios. And today we have our guest with us, Dr. Jay Grossman. Good morning, Jay, all the way in California, where it's still dark outside. <laughs> That's right, Cheryl Lynn. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Before we get started, I just want to just give you a little background about what our uh, podcast is about. So, and Joyly a little bit. Joyly is it has a unique approach to problem solving. Um, we've got this this chair. I call it the chair of joy that I'm sitting on behind me. And really what it's about is giving people a full experience in the chair of joy. And we're going to do a little bit of that today with you. We are really intending for people to transform from scarcity into abundance and explore boundless solutions and move from surviving to thriving. And as much as it's about this chair, it has nothing to do with this chair. It's about the vibrancy and the life that people who uh, understand the practice sit in it. So. Welcome to the uh, Chair of Joy process today. I'm very excited to have Dr. Paul, or excuse me, um, Dr. Jay Grossman. Uh, my next comment was about Dr. Paul Abel, who we uh, who we have been introduced through, and uh, he's got this amazing book called Joy Is: 365 Days uh, Keys to Longevity, and I flip through it. I always flip through it every morning, Dr. J. And this morning, the quote was uh, for us is joy is what joy is what occurs when an honorable purpose determines your ultimate reality. So I feel like you are that you have gone above and beyond to, you know, in your career. So I have a whole list of things that I want to talk about. But before I do that, maybe you could just give us an overview and a highlight of what you would like to add to the show today. Well, I guess the question is from from what aspect from the games that I'm playing in life, the joy that I've had in my life or uh, or, or the success I've had in my nonprofit. I guess we could go down any rabbit hole you would like, Sherwin. Yeah, I think um, just tell our viewers a little bit about, you know, getting involved in getting registered at NYU at 19. You went to the Navy. You were an, you're an expert witness, an entrepreneur. Just a little bit of background. Um, I would say that it, in one world, the upbringing that I had um, obviously had a huge part in shaping who I am and what actions that I've, I've taken. I say more importantly, the the interpretation of the upbringing that I had has shaped me. Mm. Um, I came from um, parents who um, my mom chose to be at home and a stay at home mom. And my father chose a job that was local in the community. What I did not interpret at the time was that my father actually chose that job. He chose that job because what I found out literally months before he passed away was that he wanted to be a father. And for him, it was more important to be at home to um, uh, give me a bath at night and be at home for dinner than traveling like everybody else in town seemed to be doing and making a lot of money. But with that, we were financially struggling. And I do remember, you know, not necessarily, you know, having an abundance of food or we had, you know, a very old house or we had a car that was 20 plus years old that always broke down. So um, with that, several of the arguments that I have heard my parents uh, have on a very regular basis seem to be financially focused. And my interpretation of that was, well, just go make money and then th there's no more fighting. 
and um, and and I became an entrepreneur out of that. So that was my interpretation of a, a problem solution, and out of that, um, I decided I wanted to go into in, into medicine. My uncle was a cardiologist. I always thought it was fantastic being with him whenever we went into Manhattan. I'm from Long Island. Um, going into the city from Long Island is a big deal. And then seeing my uncle who carried this little beeper because he was so important and people beeped him, I was just like so excited about that. And financially, he did very well. He was a bachelor, you know, well into his 40s. And um, um, I decided I wanted to go into medicine until one day I was about 10 years old. And the beeper went off and I was so excited and he had to go make a phone call because this is way before cell phone, Sherilyn. And um, um, he came back and I could see he was a little distraught and he said he had to excuse himself early from dinner, he had to go tell some parents they lost their 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 teenage daughter. And I said, wait a second, time out. I, I, I got the little box that beeps, I've got the little credit card, I've never saw a credit card before. I got living in Manhattan, how exciting that was. But losing a kid, I, that 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 doesn't, work with. And he says, well, you know, in medicine, sometimes that happens. And a few weeks later, um, I had a dental appointment and we traveled um, about an hour to see the dentist. He was a friend of the family and, you know, he was a friend of the family and my parents got, you know, obviously great, a great discount going there. So I, I tried to put together why we were traveling into a part of town that was not necessarily the best part of town. It was a part, it was a part of New York that was called Jamaica, Queens. And, um, and Dr. Mike was, you know, I mean, he's been over to the house a million times. My, my parents were best friends with him. And they said, why are you in this neighborhood? And he goes, because there's great need here. And I remember walking down the street with him many times, Cheryl Lynn, and people said, Dr. Mike, I know I owe you a few bucks for that filling. We'll have it next week, but my wife's making you a lasagna tonight. We're going to get, I mean, like it was just this, this, this menschie kind of just, just lovely kind of community that came together. And I saw that he had joy in his work. And I just thought that was awesome. I just thought it was like to love what you're doing, to, to make decent amount of money, to make a difference for other people just brought me delight. Do you remember thinking that at the time, like this man is really joyful, like truly he loves what he's doing and loved for what he's doing? That's exactly what I saw. I don't know if I could say that, put it in those words, certainly not at 10 years old, but I do remember he was always smiling. He was always happy. He loved what he did. And I didn't get that my dad loved what he did. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and I actually made my dad wrong for that for many, many years. I said, you know, you know, you guys are fighting all the time and money is the issue. Why, why don't you go get another job? Why don't you expand yourself? I didn't voice that to him. I, I, I just kind of held that inside. And then I became an entrepreneur. I mean, although I, I chose dentistry and, and, and dentistry still is my, my, my bread and butter. Um, I, I think last year I filed like 11 or 12 tax returns. Like I, I really kind of swung the other way and just became more of an entrepreneur. That's amazing. So do you, would you say that then going to the Navy and your black belt, you know, we're going to talk about uh, homeless to not toothless in a little bit, but would you say all of those choices then were derived from the same passion or emotion, which is, I absolutely want to love what I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when I take a look, I, 
I love what I do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 58. I, I, I've been, um, last week was my 30th year in private practice. I did three years as a dentist in the Navy. So here I am 33 years into a profession and I still choose it. I love it. I choose it. Um, I'm clear. I've got a, a certain degree of mastery in certain aspects of, of, of my field of, of, of dentistry. Um, I love who I work with. In fact, um, I, I've got a staff member that's also celebrating 30 years working with me and, and, and the vast majority of, of my staff um, are over 20 years and, and, you know, to be in any field for that amount of time is, is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have such a, a strong team behind me. You told me the other day that you were off on a little bit of a retreat celebrating this woman, I'm guessing that's been right. with you for 30 years. Tell me yeah. a little bit about her. What is, what, where did you find her? I'm curious. Yeah. Or, or actually it's the other way she found me. Um, okay. I, I, the, the, the backup behind this was, um, as I mentioned, I'm from New York and, and I got my, my, my degree at NYU. And while I was in the dorms, I met a girl, um, and that girl's from a small town called Santa Monica. So we came out to LA to visit her folks. I don't think we went back, uh, just fell in love with, uh, with Los Angeles and, 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 you know, the, the beautiful weather and the beaches and so forth. And, um, while I was here, when we moved out here, I was married. I had our first child. She was about six weeks old and I didn't have a medical license. And apparently they get very upset if you practice without a medical license. So, um, I, I enlisted in the Navy. Um, the Navy took me with my medical degree, um, and, and I, I served and, and that was also a, a, a fantasy of mine for a very, very, very long time. Um, being, I, th I think just the uniform, maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. I mean, I wanted to be a sanitation guy for a really long time. They had those really cool you know, jumpsuits and they hung onto the back of the truck. I just love that. Um, but being in the service or being a policeman or being a fireman, I, I, I don't know if it's every boy's dream or what have you, but it's still exciting to me, even at, you know, nearly 58 years of age. So um, the, the beauty behind the military was um, um, I, I got a uniform. Um, I did have to shave my head and I did have to take out my earring, but you know, putting that aside, um, I, I got to serve and I got to take care of people that were in active duty. Um, and I struck a deal with the Navy where I was um, um, able to go home every day. I did not have to stay on base. So as a consequence, my, my, my family had the experience that, you know, you know, daddy's going to work. He just wears a uniform like, like so many other people do. I mean, I guess one could argue, I mean, I wear a suit going to, to, to the office every day. That's a form of a uniform. Um, and, and when I was in the, the, the Navy, after my, my tour was up, I had an opportunity to, you know, to re-up for another, another three years, but in the Navy, it, it requires a ship, a ship tour. And I, if I was single, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Like, like what a great experience. I, I just couldn't even imagine what that would be like, but we just had our second kid and, and I, I, I didn't want to be an absentee father. So, um, um, I completed my, my, my mission and, and, and finished my, my tour and then opened up my private practice in West Los Angeles. And I'm, I'm literally walking distance from the VA hospital in LA and mm. I passed by it, which was my, my daily ride. There was always, um, um, usually a gentleman um, on the corner, um, with the sign that said, I'm a veteran. Would you please help, you know, you know, begging for money. And that's where, where the nonprofit kicked in because I just felt, I felt really torn, you know, Cheryl, and I was torn between, you know, 
um, giving them a dollar, not knowing if it was going to drugs and alcohol, which unfortunately it almost always is, versus letting somebody who, who might possibly be a veteran um, um, not be taken care of. It was, it, it, it was a really, it, it was a, a challenge internally and, and, and I wanted to do something. So one day when I was reaching into my wallet, um, instead of grabbing a dollar, I gave him my business card. And they said, look, you know, my, my office is, is right down the block. Why don't you come in? Let me see what I could do about getting you out of pain, fixing the missing teeth, give, giving you a smile so you could look good, so you could eat, so you, you, could, you could get back into society. And I felt a lot better about that. And of course, there was a lot more value in giving somebody teeth and giving them a dollar. Beautiful. I love every part of that story. I just want to cl close full circle because I did ask you about how that young lady met you, the one that we just celebrated at the retreat. So thanks for getting me present to the question. Well, uh, okay. so, that, was, that was amazing. So with that, I, I, when I got out of the service, I was looking for a job and there was a, a dental office where um, um, the, the dentist um, was, was battling breast cancer and she needed six months off to, to get, get treated. And I, I applied as a temporary position um, and Jennifer actually interviewed me. She was working for the private, the, the, the prior dentist. So I got hired for six months, you know, until she was done with treatment. And six months later, the dentist decided that she didn't want to go back into practice. She wanted to be with her family and enjoy life because she just, she just beat, you know, cancer. So I actually brought, bought the practice. So on, on April 1st, which was just a few days ago, um, it was my 30th year since I bought the practice. So, so Jennifer and I went from being both really employees to employer employee. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I, I got on the phone with our husband a few months ago and I said, my wife and I want to take you and your wife away for a three day vacation. Um, and, uh, um, can you surprise her? He goes, absolutely. So, uh, we kidnapped her and we went to a spa and we just, just ate and drank and got massages and played golf and just had a, had a celebration of life. That is so amazing. So, you know, what we talk about is joy and problem solving and sort of bringing that essence, if you will, that you learned at 10 years old into your practice and into the relationships that you have. So my question is, what are the three characteristics that you kind of pull you through? And if joy is one of them, how does that show up with all of your staff? Because I think you said you have about 18 staff members. Is that right? That's, that's correct. So I, if, if, if you were looking for three uh, areas, I would, I would say uh, that's relatively easy. It would be delight, humor, and satisfaction. I would say that those three things just, just come, you know, rise right to the top. Um, I literally got a chill down my spine as I was about to say this. I get such delight, such joy, such satisfaction of being able to have the privilege, the honor of treating people, of taking care of problems, of getting people out of pain, of making the dental experience enjoyable, out of knowing that 18 people and 18 families um, have a sustainable life that are many of them. And interestingly, I, I work only with women. Like these women, many of them are the breadwinners of the family. Like they're taking care of their family. I, I don't even have words for how awesome that is when I walk in and I am, I am happy. I am, I am, I am happy to be working with this team. I'm delighted and I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to be part of what's causing this group to have a life that they love. I bet they say thank you every day. I bet they're thrilled, as thrilled as you are. I, I, I get that a lot. And that's part of the satisfaction as well. 
So since we're talking and going down memory lane a, a, little, uh, a little bit here and there, I wanted to see if you wouldn't mind going through the chair of joy process with me uh, just briefly. Please. Have you ever dropped your phone on the floor, on your face, or in some other embarrassing place? Don't you wish there was something you could attach to your phone case that would help you hold your phone so you don't have to, or at least as much? Introducing Steady Straps, a comfortable, adjustable, strong, elastic strap with 100% Velcro brand closures that helps you hold your phone more securely without dropping it and use it easier and faster, especially one-handed. It's the only smartphone grip accessory without adhesives, and it's 100% wireless charging ready without having to remove or adjust it first. Check us out at SteadyStraps.com and order some today. Of course, it's all about neuroscience, and I'm curious about your understanding of that. And uh, the more that we tap into good vibration, high vibration, the more we elevate in our day. So a lot of people and get it instead of getting caught in the cycle of anger and worry and fear and confusion and all the even happy sometimes will drag us down because happy is very uh, fleeting, right? I'm happy because I got a new car, but then the car broke. So right. the idea is to figure out if joy is inside of us how do we access it and maintain it? So here's what I'd like for you to do is to just put both feet on the ground. I know it's early, so closing your eyes is probably not a big deal because it's still so dark out, but take a deep breath in. And I always have people just kind of get present with me as they're taking a deep breath in for four and hold it for four and exhale. And then one more time, deep breath in. And I wonder if you can tap into one joyful moment other than what you've already spoken about sometime in your life where things were just so sweet and really beautiful and working out for you. If you can land on just one thing, if you could describe it to me, that would be awesome. I remember walking across the stage at Carnegie Hall, which is where NYU had their graduation and being handed my diploma. I was um, 23 years old and I was the youngest doctor in the, in the graduating class. And the joy and the satisfaction of um, making it through uh, an intense medical program and graduating at such a young age was, was at that point the, the biggest accomplishment of my life. But were mom and dad there? Oh yeah. 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 I bet they were very proud. Yeah, I think my grandmother was the most proud, but, uh, you know, she was an immigrant and, uh, you know, came here from Russia when she was two years old and working in, in literally the sweatshops of New York as a seamstress, uh, working two jobs uh, a, 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 a day. I think her highest um, gross income in any given year was a, was just under $10,000, right? Like, and she raised my mom and my aunt, I, you know, as, as, a, as a single divorcee, which was not cool back in the 50s. You didn't do that, but uh, she was a she was a force to be reckoned with. So did Dr. Mike get wind of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, the the the, the most recent honor that I had, which which was, I, I think, the most staggering and, and, and I'm, 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 I'm almost at, at words at a loss of words to speak it was Last year, NYU um, um, gave me another award and they, they allowed me to give the 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 um, um, keynote speech at the graduating class of NYU, which this time was at Madison Square Garden. And um, it, it was it was a bit intimidating, you know, to, to say the least. But I'm, I'm now looking out at the graduating class 
at, at people that were about to have perhaps the same experience I had when I walked across the stage, you know, um, 30 plus years, years prior. Um, and in that speech, I actually talked about Dr. Mike, um, who, who has passed away, but, um, and interesting, his wife has still survived and I'm still in touch with her. Um, and, and, you know, just what, what an experience, you know, like you never know whose life you're going to touch. Right. Like, I don't know if he necessarily knew that being my dentist was going to have me become a dentist and find love it. And, and in, in a large part, um, also my nonprofit came a lot out of who Dr. Mike was. Like when we were walking down that street that day, people said, I know we owe you some money. But he goes, it's all good. It'll all work out. You know, the lasagna is fine. Like, like I go, wow. Like, you know, how do you how do you put gas in that, that new Cadillac of yours with the lasagna? And he goes, it's, it's, it's all good. The, the world works in wonderful ways. So in one world, maybe he was already touching on neuroscience, but just didn't know it. That's just beautiful. All right, we're going to do that one more time. We're going to tap into our second uh, memory of joy. So same thing, deep breath in. See if you can go to another place and another time. Carnegie Hall was beautiful, but let's go somewhere else with other, maybe another person or a food event or anything like that. And um, when you settle in on one, just briefly describe it. Yeah, it, it has to be the birth of my first kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was um, I was doing my my residency at NYU. So this was my fifth year in 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 in, in the medical program. I I was working as a 90, 92 hour week on 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 a good day. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I work 16 hour days, um, Monday through Saturday, you have to deliver on a Sunday. Like I cannot take off from this residency program. <laughs> so um, Saturday night we were, we were, it was, it was close. You know, she was, you know, re ready to pop. And, and there was a restaurant in Manhattan that, that was like known for causing people to go into labor, you know, spicy food, one of those, you know, funny little things that people talked about. And it worked. So, so, but I remember we're, we're at the hospital and, and, you know, it, it was the first live birth I've witnessed, you know, for anybody who's ever been through that or has been a parent, I, there's no words for a new life coming into this, the magic behind it. It's just, I don't, I can't say anything about it because there are no words for talking about how ridiculously awesome that is. The happiness, the joy, the, 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 the beauty of a new life the, uh, coming into the world, the glee, the, the emotions of, of, of having your child and somebody that you are going to love and who's going to love you unconditionally, the epitome of happiness. So we each have three children, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Just it gets better with each one. So, all right. So just to finish the chair of joy uh, practice, what I ask people to do is simply do that, is to have two memories three times a day. Sit, go find a chair of joy. It could be a park bench, you know, a recliner in your living room, you know, a log in the woods. It doesn't matter. But to just really sit down and breathe and take a couple of deep breaths. So to take that just a step further, if you could take the Carnegie Hall memory and the birth of your firstborn child and see if you could come up with a connecting word, what would be the word that you would connect the two memories with? It was a sense of accomplishment. I think accomplishment would be would be the word. Yeah, you know, both of them are something I've worked hard on and, and worked for a, a long time on. Right? Like to to graduate, that you know, that took you know a lot of hours in the library over many many years, and and you know, to to fall in love um, with with your soulmate and and to have a child with them, um, and of course, when once you know you're pregnant, the the, the waiting for that that nine months, um, I think all of those things was just a, a huge sense of accomplishment.
I feel like your whole life has sort of been on track, uh, accomplishing one thing after another. So I think that's a great word. But if you could put that into some kind of container, Dr. J, what would that look like? Just kind of, I know you're creative and come up with a container type situation that you might put accomplishment in. Uh, I'm asking that for a reason. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> so, so just so I understand the, the, the question, Sherilyn. So if I had to put accomplishment in a container and maybe you could expand on that. What do you mean by putting it in a container? I think I'm getting stuck on that. That's all right. Some people say a suitcase or a, a magic bottle or a glass container, um, they, all kinds of different things. Just the first thing that comes to mind, if you could containerize it, what would that look like? I would put accomplishment in a container called commitment. I would say commitment would be the container. Is it a so, physical container? Uh, something physical is what I was looking for. So you're looking for what, what the actual container is? Yes. I gotcha. I would say that that container, that accomplishment would, would live in, would be, it, it needs to be something that's that's airy and free. It's not a closed container, but it needs like the wind, like like the life of, of the universe to, to fuel it. So I, I don't think I, I was looking at it as a container that, that necessarily was closed. I would be looking at it as a container that um, is, is more porous. Like I'm picturing um, these new, um, picturing these new bags that we use at the grocery store right now that are reusable. Um, mm. And I think there's something about it that's, that's, that's apropos because they, um, you know, air goes through them. They're washable, they're reusable, they're, they're, they're healthy for the environment, um, but they still, they still function as a, um, as a form of, of transportation and, 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 and healthy for the environment. That was the first thing, Cheryl, when it comes to my mind. I love that. Someday we're going to put a book together, kind of a flip book of everyone's container. But the reason I asked you that is because I want to physically have you carry it onto the airplane. We're in LaGuardia. We're walking down the ramp and there's 3000 CEOs there. They don't okay. understand that joy is accomplishment. Accomplishment is joy. They completely clueless. And you have your little bag and they want to know what this is. So if you could speak to them and kind of give them other CEOs like yourself, sort of a heads up that this this understanding or this commitment to joy and to accomplishment is what is needed to know. What would you say to them? I would say that the accomplishment of succeeding in your goals and your dreams is, is clearly what all CEOs are thrown to, at least successful ones, right? They, they, they have a game plan, they have a vision, they have a mission. Um, and they want to achieve that and to achieve it with joy and happiness allows you as the leader of your organization to exude that upon the people that are following you, that you've hired, that are, are part of the team that is an absolute requirement to succeed. And if you don't have that joy and happiness in your life, and if it's not coming out of your pores, then um, it becomes an uphill battle. Beautiful. That was so beautiful. I think, uh, I think CEOs hear you. I just don't know if they know necessarily how to take action, which is why we develop Joyly to give people the tools to make that happen. So a joy department, a joy officer, those are all things that, uh, that are in our uh, repertoire when people work with us. So 
Thank you for that. Um, we have some minutes left. I would love to talk a little bit more about the $7.5 million in pro bono that you've done for the Toothless Not Homeless and kind of what's next. If you could, if there's a ch any challenges in that or how can we support you in, in this endeavor? Sure. So the, the, um, the, the nonprofit didn't start as a nonprofit. Um, it started off just as, as patients were coming in. I just wasn't charging them. Um, and then um, a few years into it, I, I got a phone call from um, um, the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, and I actually thought I was being um, re-enlisted into the next Persian Gulf War. Um, but they, this, this particular colonel was actually in charge of the, the PR department of the military. Go figure, I didn't know there was a PR department. And um, he said, you know, we love what you're doing with these veterans. How would you feel about being the poster child for recruitment for um, military doctors? And I looked at him, I go, okay, um, is this a paid position? And uh, he says, yeah, actually, if you're a nonprofit, we'd be happy to make a donation. So I, I quickly went on a um, journey that day of calling my lawyer and, and becoming a nonprofit to which um, he says, you know, this takes about a year. I said, no, they, they, they want to film like in a few weeks. And he goes, yeah, it doesn't happen. I said, submit the application today. And a few weeks later, I, I, I call the IRS and, and go figure they actually answered the phone in, in 12 minutes. Talk about being, being grateful, right? And um, the person picks up the phone and I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm sure you get a million people calling you every day and everybody wants something from you. I wish this could be a different phone call. But I have this mission, this vision, this, this, this goal of helping the homeless, especially veterans that have served this country like I did. And I want to give them smiles and I want to get them out of pain and, and I want to get them looking good so that they could actually go out and get a job and get off the street and not be homeless anymore. And she turned to me on the phone and she goes, are you Dr. Grossman? And then suddenly, you know, you're looking up to see whether, you know, there's a candid camera. I go, yeah, how did you know that? She goes, I'm looking at your face in Better Homes and Garden. Oh my gosh. Now, now, Sherilyn, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think like statistically about this. First of all, just getting the IRS to pick up the phone. Let, let, let's call that one out of a million. Then the person that picks up the phone is on a page in a magazine that the military just put me in. And she goes, I love this project. And I got my, I got my nonprofit approved in under 30 days, which I understand is, is, is a miracle and, and something to be joyful about um, in, in any, any way. And the next thing I know, I started going to dental conferences and I said, look, we're in this very, very unique position. Um, dentistry has not been affected like my medical colleagues have where we're just so controlled and hamstrung by, by insurance companies and, and, and the government. We have this unbelievable profession where we get to make people whole and complete and healthy and not have the constraints of having to work for a large organization or a hospital. So how about we give back? And the next thing you know, I, I've got you know six clinics that are all run by volunteer doctors that, that over the last few years are treating over 15,000 people a year. And we just hit um, our, our major landmark goal, which was treating over 100,000 people, um, which is valued right now at about $7.7 .7 million worth of free dental care. And, and I take a look at, at all the people that, that we've impacted. And in fact, um, July 4th, which is in, in a few months, I'm actually flying out to Albuquerque to meet one of the homeless patients who was on the street for 15 years and for the last 
15 years has um, been clean and sober and is back, you know, in, in, in relationship with his ex-wife. He's got a relationship with his son that he hadn't had for 15 years. He's working right now. And he and I are going to go on a three-day Harley trip. You know, just cruising around, him and I just reconnecting and 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 being, you know, joyful for um, the gift I was able to give him and 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 the gift he was able to give me, and um, for me, um, a huge sense of accomplishment and joy in that. So, what's next? I think that we cannot stop. I mean, I'm on your team. As soon as I heard about this, I said, "How can I help?" And so, I think that bringing your, this type of clinic into many cities in the country is something that needs to be done. Would you agree? Absolutely. And that's what I'm playing for right now is how can I expand homeless, not toothless to other cities? So right now, Los Angeles has six clinics and, and, and you know, we're making an impact here. And I'm looking at, at building an endowment, a $5 million endowment for each of the clinics so that they could be self-sufficient indefinitely. Right now, five out of those six clinics have that. They are supported by a university in full, so they're up and running. The clinic in West Los Angeles that's walking distance from the VA hospital that we talked about is certainly desperately in need of an endowment. And then what we would do is we would take that endowment, we would live off the, the interest income that comes off of that, and then we would replicate that across the country. So that's the goal that we're, we're playing for. And who's with you? I mean, is it is it, I believe you have, you said a hundred doctors that volunteer, you have a board, is that right? Yes, of course. So I've got, I've got a board, you know, Sharon Stone is on my board. She's been a, a force to be reckoned with. Um, just love working with her. She's been a, a team member for, for well over a decade. Um, she makes, she makes things happen. She picks up a phone and, 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 and mountains move. Um, I remember one day we were treating foster children on a, on a given Saturday in my office and they had to be bussed in and there was a breakdown in communication. The bus service just screwed up and there was nobody there. And Sharon just picked up a phone and just bought a bus for the day. I mean, it was just like, 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 you know, it, problem solution. She goes, nope, this is going to happen. Like just made it happen. Um, and, and we have um, the, the support of UCLA Dental School. Um, I've been on staff there for um, going on 30 years, and uh, the current dean is just awesome and wonderful, and he sends students to my office um, every single week. So in the course of a given year, I have well over 100 volunteer doctors coming to my office, and that's how we could do so much dentistry. If you could wave a magic wand and resources weren't an issue, how many clinics would you say that the USA could positively support? Well, I, I my, my next goal actually is to set up a homeless, not toothless clinic in every city where there's a dental school. Um, I would use the dental students as a resource, like as an externship. So right now I'm using fourth year students. They're literally about to be official doctors in a month. They graduate in May. So using them as the resource would be the, the, the first tool because when, see, in, in, in homeless, not toothless, we have, we have less than a 5% overhead rate. And how do we do that? Um, I, I take a dollar a year for, for, for my salary, and that's the extent of salaries. Um, I volunteer my office. Now, right now I'm volunteering it during the, during the week, but in the early days, I opened up on a Saturday. It was a, it was a fully functional office, Sherilyn, that, that, that was just sitting there gathering dust. So when you take out from an equation, um, no cost for rent and no cost for, for labor, suddenly what, what's left? I mean, you know, I've got to file a, a, a tax return and, and, you know, I need website support. It's a negligible cost. And I think that's one of the reasons that 
um, people also donate to Homeless Not Toothless because they see that 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 over 95 cents of each dollar is actually going to either the lab or the supply bills, which are the two really only bills that we have in this. So to to have um, clinics set up in every city where there's a dental school and there are roughly 50 dental schools in, in the United States to tap into those resources so we can replicate this model. To me, this is this is a win-win model. Win, 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 win. So many people will be, uh, you know, supported. And I think everyone wants to be part of something and make a difference. And so just anything I can do to help you continue, I am so excited. So we are grateful to Dr. Jay Grossman today for being with us and exploring the concept of joy. We've talked about how that is a thread um, through his entire life and as he continues on into the Homeless Not Toothless uh, project. At Joyly, we believe in the collaboration as a tool for effective change, which is what we were doing here today. And um, I hope that anyone who's watching us and listening to us will pick up the phone and call Dr. Jay, Jay Grossman and, and have a conversation about this. So together we are driving the conversation of joy through media and merchandise, merchandise to combat social and environmental crisis that faces our planet. So Dr. Jay, any closing remarks? How was your experience today in the Chair of Joy? I really enjoyed this, Cheryl, and thank you for the opportunity to share this with your audience. It's a pleasure to put a face to you. So uh, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed this very much. You're very welcome. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.